We're so glad you decided to listen to our program today. Our intent is to inform you and to encourage you. This is Are You Listening? with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour. In a busy world with lots of distractions, we need to pay closer attention to God. Are you listening to God's Word today? Here's Jeff. Thank you very much, Jay, and we appreciate everyone tuning in today here on Are You Listening? brought to you by the International Gospel Hour. You know, dear friends, there are many questions in life, but how thankful we are for the answer, and that is Jesus Christ. In John 14, verse 6, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, and verse 8. How thankful we are that Jesus Christ is the answer. Today is a very special broadcast titled, Christ is the Answer. That alone makes it special, but we have another reason this is a special broadcast. More in a moment, but first, we always appreciate our listeners here on Are You Listening? Our friends with the International Gospel Hour, we'd love for you to please take a moment and to like and follow the International Gospel Hour at Facebook, as well as Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at our underscore gospel. This allows you to keep up with our latest works, latest happenings, and where the International Gospel Hour will be in your area, where I'll be speaking, or where you'll be able to hear the broadcast in your area. We would love to hear from our listeners, and thank you for tuning in. And now, a very special broadcast. From 1995 to 2014, Brother Winford Claiborne was the voice of the International Gospel Hour. In my travels and discussions about this great work, Brother Winford's name comes up quite often, and for that I am grateful. I was a personal friend of Brother Winford and was blessed to know him, and I am friends with a number of his family as well and count them beloved and as brethren in Christ. We are blessed here at the International Gospel Hour to have transcripts of lessons that he prepared in times past, and of course lessons he delivered here on this broadcast. Finding these are an absolute treasure to me. So today, in memory of and in honor of my brother and friend Winford Claiborne, I'm honored to deliver a lesson from Brother Claiborne titled, Christ is the Answer. One Protestant denominational church in the United States announced one summer that the theme for their revivals that year would be, Christ is the Answer. That certainly is what the New Testament teaches. I suspect that most conservative religious teachers have used that expression on occasion. I do not recall having used it many times, but I am sure I have spoken of Christ as the answer. If Christ is the answer, what is the question? Or perhaps it would be better to ask, what are the questions? I have no doubt that the vast majority of those who claim to be Bible-believing Christians accept Christ as the answer. My responsibility in this study is to frame the questions to which Jesus Christ is the answer. For example, what is God like? Does Jesus Christ provide insight into the nature of Almighty God? The answer could hardly be plainer. The Apostle John teaches very plainly that the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. But what is the Word? John leaves no room for doubt. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. 
And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of His fullness have we all received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, please pay special attention to the next verse. No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. That from John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, verse 14 and verses 16 through 18. In their very useful book, The New Linguistic and Exegetical Key to the Greek New Testament, Cleon Rogers, Jr. and Leon Rogers, III, comment on the meaning of the word declare on page 178. It means to lead out, to explain, to rehearse facts, to recount a narrative. Only the Son, who has the very nature of God, is able to give an authentic exposition of God to man. As a result, he displays the nature of the invisible Father. Consequently, the rest of the gospel is Christ's unfolding revelation of God the Father. And again, that's page 178 from the New Linguistic and Exegetical Key to the Greek New Testament. Paul refers to Jesus Christ as the image of the invisible God, Colossians 1, verse 15. The word image in this passage means the exact likeness. Christ is exactly like God. The author of Hebrews describes Christ as the brightness of God's glory and the express image of His person, Hebrews 1, verse 3. These passages from John, from Colossians, and from Hebrews show conclusively the more you know about Jesus, the more you know about God, since Jesus Christ is a revelation or a manifestation of God. That was the reason he could say, I and my Father are one, John 10, verse 30. That was also the reason the Apostle Paul could write, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. These passages prove that Jesus Christ is the answer to the question, What is the nature of God? How does God want human beings to live? You cannot read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John without discovering the answer to that question. In His great Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ outlined how He expected His followers to behave. He said to His disciples in Matthew 5, beginning with verse 13 through 16, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men." You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all who are in the house. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Rebecca Manley Pippert wrote an excellent book entitled, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount We are to use our influence to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not adequate that we believe Jesus Christ is the revelation of God to man. We must use our time and talent to spread the unsearchable riches of Christ. Rebecca Pippert quotes Dr. John R. W. Stott as saying that we must not, quote, become a rabbit hole Christian, 
the kind who pops his head out of a hole, leaves his Christian roommate in the morning and scurries to class, only to frantically search for a Christian to sit by. An odd way to approach a mission field. End quote, page 124. Jesus did not speak extensively of worship, but he provided a wonderful example for us to imitate. Luke records this incident in Luke 4, verses 16 through 19. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. If the Son of God thought it necessary to worship His heavenly Father, how can those who claim to be Christians neglect to worship God? Jesus provided some guidelines for our worship. I shall give you just one example. In Matthew 6, verses 5-7, through Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Jesus Christ is the answer to what God expects of us as His children. Can the words of Jesus Christ be interpreted to sustain the doctrine of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone? Do you remember what Christ told His disciples in the Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew seven twenty-one through 23 Jesus said, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out demons, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. We know Jesus did not sin and did not need to be saved. But what a tremendous example Jesus was for people in every generation. Please take notice of what he said about doing God's will. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 4:34 And he who sent me is with me the father has not left me alone for i do always those things that please him John 8:29 I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day the night comes when no man can work as long as i am in the world i am the light of the world John 9 verses 4 and 5 Many of Christ's parables teach the necessity of obeying the will of God In his parable of the sower, Jesus mentioned the seed that fell on good ground. He then explained what he meant in Luke 8.15. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. The parable of the vine and the branches makes that truth even plainer. In John 15, beginning with verse 6, Jesus said, If a man abide not in me... He is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. 
and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Can we be Christ's disciples if we do not bear much fruit? If we can, our Lord's words are meaningless. Is Christ the answer to the question, Are all human beings sacred in the eyes of God Almighty? Jesus explained the love of God that has for all people. God has a great love for all people, as Jesus explained, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. John chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. I wonder if we often overlook what Jesus said about the importance of the soul of every human being. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Our Lord's words harmonize with what Paul said about God's love for all people in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus is the answer to the question, Are all people sacred in the eyes of an almighty God? Is Jesus the answer to the question, What must I do to be saved? I am fully aware that Jesus did not address the question as often as the apostles and other preachers in the book of Acts. But he was the one who began to talk about salvation through Christ. The author of Hebrews exhorted his readers in Hebrews chapter 2 beginning with verse 1. Therefore, We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received its just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them who heard Him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to His will? What did Jesus say about saving lost souls? He told Zacchaeus in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus knew that all men were sinners, and had to obey the gospel in order to be saved. He emphasized faith as an essential element in salvation. In John 5:24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He who hears my word and believes on him who sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death unto life. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. 
Do you believe this? John 11, verse 25. But there is not one of those scriptures which teaches salvation by faith alone. Jesus specifically taught the necessity of repentance. Luke tells of an incident involving Christ's teaching about repentance. In Luke 13, beginning with verse 1, There were present at that season some who told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell, and slew them, do you think that they were sinners above all men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Again, that's Luke 13, 1-5. Jesus Christ demanded that those who want Christ to confess them to the Father in the final judgment must confess Him on the earth. But whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Jesus himself set the example of being baptized. In Matthew 3, beginning with verse 13, Then comes Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. And he suffered him. Both Matthew and Mark's records of the Great Commission include baptism. I shall read only Mark's account. Our Lord commanded His apostles in Mark 16, 15, and 16, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe shall be condemned. If faith is essential to salvation, so is baptism. In this passage, the two terms are connected with the coordinate conjunction. That means that whatever is on one side of the conjunction is as important as what is on the other side, or else Christ should not have used a coordinate conjunction. Jesus Christ is the answer to the question, What must I do to be saved? Kind listener, I hope you are enjoying going back with me, bringing back one of these lessons that Brother Winford Claiborne delivered in times past. He was one of our former speakers on the International Gospel Hour from 1995 to 2014, and how thankful we are for his memory. While we are at this point in this discussion, would you love to study the question of what must I do to be saved? The International Gospel Hour offers absolutely free a Bible study course by mail, so you may study in the privacy of your own home. Just call us toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988. That's 1-855-IGH-6988, and leave us your name and address and simply say, Please send me the Bible course. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com. 
click on the Contact tab, and again there, please leave your name and address, and just type in, please send me the Bible course. Again, the Bible course is absolutely free, will not cost you a thing, and allows you to study and to search the Scriptures in the privacy of your own home. After all, our Lord Jesus Christ said in John 5.39, Search these Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. How grateful we are that we can conclude one thing, that Jesus Christ wants all men saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. Therefore, we hope you will accept and involve yourself in Bible study through our free Bible course. And now, let's conclude our thoughts from Brother Claiborne. Is Jesus Christ the answer to the question, Can a child of God fall from grace? Let us return for just a moment to the parable of the sower. Jesus spoke of four kinds of souls into which the good seed was planted. And some seed fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. What did Christ mean by the seed that fell on the rock? We are not left to wonder. Here's the answer. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. Luke 8, verses 6 and 13. But those people were never saved, were they? If they were never saved, how could they fall away? Let us also return briefly to the parable of the vine and the branches. Jesus said to his disciples in John fifteen five and 6, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. It ought to be obvious to every thinking person that the branches are individual Christians, not denominations, as some people foolishly argue. Please take note of what Jesus said about the branches. If a man abide not in me... He is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, John fifteen five and 6. If a branch does not bear fruit, it is cast into the fire and burned. If that does not teach the possibility of apostasy, what would it take? I have one final question before our time expires. Is Jesus Christ the answer to our hopes and dreams of heaven? We know Jesus Christ came down from our Heavenly Father. There is no possibility of his being deluded or mistaken. How comforting and inspiring are these words to his disciples. In John 14, 1-3, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The last book of the Bible gives our Lord's description of what heaven will be like. The Apostle John tells us what the Lord showed him in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, 
and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I close our study with a passage I have already read to you today. From Matthew 16 and verse 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I am so glad you joined me today that we could turn back the clock, bring forth a lesson that was delivered by the late Brother Winford Claiborne, again a former speaker on the International Gospel Hour, how blessed we are to be able to just turn back the clock and to remember such a wonderfully well-written and well-delivered lesson of days gone by. There is no way that I could do that lesson honor as Brother Claiborne did, but I am blessed that I could take a few moments and but share these things with you that are still biblically based and sound. As was said about Abel in the long ago about his faith, which we would apply to Brother Winford Claiborne today, by it he being dead, yet he speaks. Before we leave today, kind listener, again, would you love to study the Bible in the privacy of your own home? Have we said some things today to prompt you to further your study of God's Word and to make things as sure as you can? The International Gospel Hour offers absolutely free a Bible study course by mail. You may study in the privacy of your own home. Just call us toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988. That's 1-855-IGH-6988. Leave us your name, your address, and simply say, Please send me the Bible course. You may also tell us where you have heard our broadcast today. You can also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com. Click on the contact tab and just simply again leave us your name, your address, and just type in, please send me the Bible course, and we'll send that to you as soon as possible. Always let us know where you hear our broadcast. We're grateful to be across many radio stations throughout the United States and, of course, through the World Wide Web throughout the world. After all, this is the International Gospel Hour. I am so glad you joined me for this special broadcast today, and we'll hear again from Brother Claiborne at another time. But let's continue our study together, shall we? Thank you for joining me today on the International Gospel Hour. I'm Jeff Archie, and dear friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. God, we